Hello and welcome to all our listeners on behalf of the Wharton FinTech podcast. I'm your host Anjit Gupta, a current Wharton MBA student of the class of 2021. Today we have with us Elliot Lim, Chief Customer Officer of Mambu. Founded in 2011, Mambu is a cloud-native software as a service provider that is powering banking through open API-enabled architectures. Mambu helps financial institutions of all sizes to rapidly design, launch, service and scale their banking and lending portfolio. Prior to Mambu, Elliot has held several senior positions in the banking and fintech industry. He has been named as one of the most influential people in fintech and has been an entrepreneur running several businesses across multiple sectors, sitting on advisory boards and investing in technology startups. At Mambu, Elliot is focused on a customer-centric approach to doing business, growing revenue, and helping banks build flexible and scalable solutions. Elliot is also currently a board member of the World Trade Board. Thanks for joining us today, Elliot. Thank you, Anjit. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Elliot, could you start by telling us more about yourself and what brought you to Mambu? Yeah, absolutely. So by education, I was an engineer. So I was a software engineer by my degree, my master's in computer science. Um, I then had a strange hiatus when I became a professional musician for a few years, um, toured the world, and then came sort of back to the technology roots. I first got into banking around about 20 years ago. And as you already said, I've worked for, for many of the world's top banks, uh, lived in 11 different countries. So I worked for Citibank, uh, Barclays, Deutsche, and a few others. Um, I also worked for a few fintechs. And as you say, I also founded a few companies. Um, the, most, the most logical one to talk about really was my company, Cobra, which was collaborative banking. We were a consultancy based out of London and the Middle East, really looking at how can fintechs grow and how can banks launch into the new digital enterprise by using an ecosystem, a collaboration. So that then brought me to Mambu around a year ago. Uh, it was interesting, actually. I arrived to meet the founders of Mambu in Amsterdam uh, for what was, what was supposed to be sort of a couple of hours just getting to know you, having a chat. We spent a full day and I realized it was one of those moments in your career when you think, wow, I'm home. Uh, we talked exactly the same values. We wanted the same things. We wanted to make banking better for everyone. We wanted to believe in an ecosystem. We wanted an even way of working banking to make things better for banking, not necessarily just for banks. So very refreshing. I arrived here a year and it's been an exceptional fun year to be involved with Mambu. So good to hear that. And also very proud to say that I was at Deutsche as well. So something in common. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so uh, Elliot, so who are Mambu's typical customers right now and what does Mambu help them with? So that's a good question. So let, let's go back a little bit. Mambu's customers were sort of microfinance, very on the lending side to start with. So your, your smaller businesses. And Mambu was basically founded for a financial inclusion, making banking better. Um, it, was, it was always the way to try and make inclusion, to try and make sure lending could come through with some underdeveloped uh, countries, underdeveloped banks. We then really progressed more into the core banking side of things. And as the business has grown, we've also seen that our customers have grown through size, complexity, 
and everything else. So our, our customers today are not that simple to say who they are in one sentence. Really, they go all the way from a neobank or a micro lender. Um, they can be a telco. They can be anybody that's involved in lending at any size, in core banking at any size, all the way up to what we've called uh, they're really tier one banks, but tier one banks are tending to launch what we're seeing as speedboats. So this is taking a small subset or a new market potentially or a new demographic. We want to launch a new product. They will then prove out you know, the, the, the cloud banking platform before they move into their bigger books of work, which makes perfect sense. But I do feel that, that there are several things driving and I'm sure we'll get more into this. I'm definitely sensed in the last year but certainly more as the last six months due to covid for one reason we are seeing that the bigger banks are are really taking more of a step back and this perceived risk of technology risk of moving to a SaaS or cloud platform has been replaced almost by a business risk of realizing if we don't do something different that gives us agility and tighter control of costs and innovation we're going to miss out so i think that we're seeing this this dial shift very much that it's become a much more even playing field where our customers are becoming increasingly the larger players in the market, um, as well as the service market that we've always hit, which is on the neos and the smaller lenders. That's very interesting. So uh, I'm sure a lot of these neo banks and you know uh, they are very digitally native. They they are on the forefront of these technologies, and I'm sure there are other alternatives out there, uh, just like Mambu. So could you tell us why financial institutions choose Mambu over these alternatives? Absolutely, I think if you look at the, the competitive marketplace, I think, I, think, I think it's interesting. You have a lot of local niche players all around the world. Um, you have a lot of the big, more legacy vendors who have moved to have a SaaS type solution, cloud type solution. Uh, and then you have a few more of the players that have come along. What, what's been different for Mambu is we've really been the only ones that have taken the, the cloud platform on a global level. Uh, it's something we have as referenceability around the world. So we're being seen as market leaders. We're being seen as people who are getting the consultancies excited. We have some very credible references. As soon as you mentioned the N26s of the world um, and the Oak Norths of the world, you start people getting quite excited about if they're powered by Mambu, what could that mean for us? Why did those market leaders choose Mambu? And it's generally because we, we have a very agile solution. We can put people live, we have examples, we can put uh, products live or new banks live in a matter of weeks instead of months. Also that we can uh, allow them to grow with us because we are a built in the cloud and we are fully SaaS, our pricing models are SaaS, so we allow you to grow with us. So there's all those little things that really pull into having uh, faster time to market, more aligned cost base to revenue base, and the fact that we have referenceability and very credible way of showing what we're capable of. I think all of those things really drive why I think Mambu is being so successful around the world. Got it. So you talked about how working with Mambu allows these institutions to grow at a large scale, uh, you know, rapidly because and in an agile fashion. So. Maybe could you tell us a little more about what are some of the biggest advantages that uh, you know these customers or these institutions have seen compared to their own competitors uh, over the years of working with you? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can even tell you some examples where we've worked with 
um, some very large global tier one banks, I won't name names, but where they've actually seen that we can launch quicker, not only against our competition, but also against their in-house ability to deliver as well. So as an example, we've worked with uh, recently banks in the UK where during COVID, during lockdown, we completed the sales cycle, we implemented, launched, and had the first customers operational and profitable within the bank all during lockdown. So it was all done remotely. It was all very quick time to market. In parallel, we have a large client uh, in India who were doing loans, microloans uh, for financial inclusion. The regulator changed the rules overnight to say, hey, we want to give holidays. We want to give interest holidays to people to try and breed this financial stimulus during these difficult times. With a legacy vendor or with a lot of the competition, you would still have to go through a build process because we have one code base, because we are always releasing code. Um, we released that functionality within a matter of days, and it meant that our clients could implement the regulation, drive forward the financial inclusion, and take away the burden that was obviously the government's and the regulator's principle to try and do so. We, we also see that when people want to move into more geographies, um, if they've proved Mambu out the box, they can prove they've built their model. We have certain implementations where they can move into 10, 11 countries. Once you're in one, rolling into another is pretty much a flick of a switch. As long as you have the regulatory authority, the banking license, the coverage and everything behind the bank, you can move Mambu forward and you can build that ecosystem that allows you to satisfy customers again very quickly. And there's, there's one point actually, uh, and shit, I've not, not really got into yet, which is around our composable model. So the the what we do is very agile, we drive innovation, we give people what they want, but the how we do it is what we call composable. It's, it's very key to how we differentiate. We, we see ourselves as the best at what we do, but we see ourselves at the best in that core, in the engine, the platform. We work with the best players in the market at what they're good at. So we work with many partners, the likes of Encino, Marketa, uh, et cetera, who, can build something with us as an ecosystem with very open APIs that allow us to give that opportunity for people to build not just the bank they need today, but the bank they need in the future. And that really is a fundamental way that we differentiate to say, hey, nobody knows what banking is going to be like in, well, we probably used to say five, 10 years. Now we can probably say one to two. Uh, so build an ecosystem where there's no vendor tie-in. It's very easy to adjust with the market, very easy to adjust with the customers. And that customer-centric approach and that making banking better really allows us to resonate that that's the differentiating point in the market. It's very interesting. Uh, and you, you mentioned it right now, the, that the outlook has changed from, you know, five to 10, uh, from ch changed from five to 10 to just one to two years. Uh, impacted a lot by the pandemic and I know we spoke about this earlier but uh, I'd love to hear more on uh, you know what impact that this has made on you know the mindsets of some of the leaders in the financial uh, industry so uh, what has been the kind of shift you saw in the financial world when it came to cloud-based architectures over the last you know broadly 10 years and uh, in particular, over the last few months, how has this accelerated? No, that's a great question and, and actually very valid. The, the adoption of all new technologies in banking has never been the fastest. 
uh, I, I've always sort of joked that, you know, things have always moved at the speed of bank and the speed of bank is never a fast speed. That's, that all changed probably 10 years ago, maybe slightly more with, since 2008. People realized that after the last crash, there needed to be a change and people saw opportunities to launch challenger banks. Um, we've seen that evolve very quickly. The challenger banks were more around the business model. They then tr pretty much put the technology tool set underneath it to try and drive agility and to reduce cost base. But a lot of those challenger banks fell into the, the trap of really within 12 to 18 months of launching becoming a bank. They still had legacy very quickly built in there because the ability to launch everything into that SaaS cloud-based model, if you go all the way from uh, customer onboarding through AML, KYC. Not everything was available at that time. And there was a lot of risk being seen. So regulators took time to come around to the right way of thinking. And it really was a very slow journey. I think it started getting better probably around about two, three years ago. You started mm -hmm. seeing that people were really starting to show success. I, I mentioned N26 previously, but, but several others were showing that this model can really work. Uh, we can build to this controllable cost base with more agility that allows us to enter. The the larger banks at that point, I think, stood back, watched and listened for a while and then realized rather than being disrupted, let's let's fight back and let's try and disrupt a little bit ourselves. And that's where you've got a lot more internal disruption inside the banks. Banks are very silo based for the for the majority of them. And they started rolling out what we refer to as speedboats, different ways of thinking. But it's, but it's been slow because taking the risk of actually proving the model, proving the technology, proving the way of thinking is one thing, but then actually rolling it out and thinking this could be the core of our business is something very different. And I think that's the bit that's really expedited over the last six to eight months, certainly during COVID. And it's not just about uh, a different technology, which is sort of the, the underneath. The, the more important bit was always the business model. So an agile business model that allowed you to implement this technology, allowed you to deal with the uh, the assumed risk of the technology, but seeing the upside through a business case. The thing that's really changed is the mindset. The mindset to think this unknown future is upon us. No longer can you sit there with your five-year, 10-year strategy and then reverse into it with technology, product launches, etc. Your strategy can no longer just sit and uh, be a piece of paper that you work towards. It has to be more real time. It has to be something you think about. That mindset shift uh, is happening and it's, we're riding the middle of it. I think it's going to take probably another six months to a year before we really see the repercussions of all of these shifting mindsets, especially with the bigger players. But it's of the conversations I have, that's really what I see the difference at the moment. Uh, the technology has been there the risk assumptions in this mindset are changing to say, hey, these guys are onto something. Let's let's see how we can work with it. Thank you for sharing that. Um, has the pandemic also impacted Mambu's overall strategy in terms of products and services that you already have or ones that you plan to build in the future? No, it hasn't actually. Um, if anything, the only impact is it speeded things up. We... We've not been, we, I think like most companies, when you see something like this happen around the world, it's all unknown. Uh, we've actually seen projects around the world speed up. We've seen obviously in different parts of the world, people are having uh, financial, social, economic problems. Um, so I, I think because of that, we've seen certain things. I'll give you a few examples. Um, 
one that really springs to mind, we've seen financial impetus trying to be put in place again by governments around the world. They want to give more money to SMEs. Mm -hmm. They want to give money to the people in the, in the street. When you look at the big banks and a lot of the old ways of working, um, there are actually blockers in, in distributing that, that cash, in, in distributing that wealth. So I think looking at how this pandemic has driven what we're doing, we're seeing there's a lot more opportunity to deal with the, the bigger banks because obviously they have the generally, and I'm, I'm generalizing, the least agility. So helping them to become more agile uh, and also to help uh, work on a more um, making banking better. Going back to our DNA to make bank better, that it's not really changed what products we want to launch. It's not changed how we want to grow the business. It's just expedited certain things, probably bringing um, not just revenue, but from a business development and a, a focus on the larger side of the accounts, probably brought that forward by a year, I would say, if anything. Got it. So changing gears, uh, Elliot, and maybe talking about uh, the process of building some of these services originally and right now, I'd love to understand what are some of the biggest challenges challenges of um, you know building something like this, especially because you know as a retail banking um, customer myself and almost everybody who must be listening to us, um, each of these institutions, each of these banks, they look so different in terms of offerings and scale. And does that bring an inherent difficulty, uh, you know, in working with them? It does. Um... But again, it comes back to sort of the mindset piece. Now, I, I, as I say, I've worked for many large banks, and I think we, we all drink the Kool-Aid when we work in the, the larger banks specifically. We think that we're yeah, different yeah. to everybody else, right? We, we think that, you know, hey, but this can't be because I work for Bank X and we do things very differently to everybody else. If you pull back, um, certainly in retail banking, and I would say pretty much in corporate banking, there's not a lot of differentiation there certainly isn't differentiation on technology or what you can use technology for. I think the differentiation very much comes from a marketing position a lot of the time. Um, and I think a lot of differentiation comes from how you are perceived in the market, how you drive that customer relationship. Are you looking at a, a way of trying to be risk averse and drive cost reductions or revenue generation? Or are you looking at it from a customer centric point of view? So I, I, I think there is a difference on how the banks look at things. But I am also seeing that as people accept the ecosystem model, they are starting to accept that the bank is not necessarily the biggest or most important player in this ecosystem. The customer is. And that, that is a different way of thinking about it. So if we can take what we learn around the world from different implementations, um, you know, we work with over 200 banks around the world. We can we can we can put this in across you know, in 50 countries. So we have a lot of experience on what's happening, how people are adapting, where people are moving. So we're starting to get more trust, and that comes with scale. That we can actually say, hey, this is what we're seeing. This is how you can actually improve life for your customers, and therefore improve life for yourself. And as long as people listen on that journey and allow us to be part of the conversation. Again, we don't know everything. I think anybody in any industry, but particularly in the banking industry, who thinks they know more than everybody else is setting themselves up for failure. And I think that it's, it's difficult to understand the difference now between a very small player and a very large player. Because, again, coming back to the nobody knows what banking is in five, ten years' time. Uh, 
if people know what they're going to be in five, 10 years time, it's probably more likely to be those small niche players who are targeting something very specific. Um, it's, it's for us making sure that the, the challenge is making sure that we have that mindset with the customers and understanding the ecosystem and people don't want a big monolithic beast, a big tie-in. There's some very logical things that come with going the old way of working, but there are some very logical uh, opportunities that come with a new way of working that are sometimes missed, which is we are giving you the way to do dynamic business. We are giving you the way to be agile. And if you can really build again, I'm, I'm a broken record with mindset. If, if you can build that mindset to see those opportunities, react quickly and be agile and have the technology and the business model to allow you to do that, then everything becomes easy. The difficult part for us is to make sure that people understand the art of the new. Now, it's not that we're, we're completely unique. We, are, we produce core banking systems. We produce lending systems. Ours just happen to be a cloud platform that allows you to build the bank you want to be around it. You know, banks used to be built to last, today they are built to change. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, some of these large banks have, are you know, very far behind on the technology scale. In fact, probably except the likes of Goldman or Cap One, we are looking at large and uh, lethargic banks who are still using the systems they used 50 years ago. Um, what do you think, um, Elliot, you know, in your opinion, what is the future of some of these institutions, especially because they're too large to fail, at least in the short term, but they are struggling to keep up technology-wise with all these neobanks and uh, you know their own uh, tech-savvy counterparts. Well, I, I think on the good side of that, I think things have improved. Um, I used to work in some of the innovation side in some of the banks that we, we sort of talk about as the larger banks. And I, I almost feel if I look back, I was almost a FinTech assassin we used to we used to bring in innovation or fintechs as we call them now. Um, smart kids had an idea. We would put them into our labs. Then we'd try and turn them into bankers. That that doesn't work. We may invest as a bank into those fintechs, but then demand their roadmap aligns to us. That doesn't work. Or, or worst of all, we may insist they build us um, the dream that we all have together as a POC for free that removes all of their runway and that doesn't work. So I think I think things have changed from then and I think the banks now see that innovation has to be a key. I think I think the future for them um, is very bright as long as they understand that it's an equal playing field and they're not the only player or sometimes not the most important player. You know, if we if we and I'm not going to predict what the future of banking is going to be because anybody who does that is probably crazy. But let's make some assumptions that you know, customer centricity, so almost a return to relationship banking would be a very positive and welcome outcome. On the other side of that, if we had sort of a commoditized banking ecosystem where people could or banks would offer uh, different services at different levels, at different price points, at different uh, SLAs, etc., you can deem that there would be you know, a banking experience for Anchit would be very different to a banking experience for Elliot. We may be in different parts of the world, different times of life, different ways of working, different needs. But if we could provide that sort of process and world where you had the bank that was perfect for you and I had the bank that was perfect for me, it would change everything. And I think these bigger banks, if they can realize that, they're in a very strong position to, to work with the ecosystem. And I, the reason I say they're probably not the most uh, 
important part of this equation sometimes. If you take a, a natural progression, the big techs of getting very much involved in banking, you, the, your Amazons, your Googles, et cetera, uh, they own that customer journey, the trust of certainly the younger, the younger users of banking. If the banks themselves, the big banks, become the capital reserves and become the trust tokens to allow this commoditized banking future, and they allow the big techs or some of the other players to really own that customer experience that is specific for that individual, uh, they could be in a good place. If they don't move with the times and don't move into what is going to be demanded and what is needed in the future, then it's going to be a very difficult future for them. Actually, my next question was going to be on the future of banking <laughs> and lending, but um, let's let's <laughs> let's talk about you know all these large tech firms that you just mentioned, Amazon and Google, and with the with them uh, along with all these institutions now in the landscape. Uh, what do you think? Uh, you know, the, maybe in your whatever you want to tell us about what you think the future will look like and maybe focus on how you think Mambu will be a part of it or maybe a bigger part of it than it is today. No, absolutely. I think, you know, I think on that final point, I think any any vendor or platform provider of any type will always tell you they want to be a bigger part of the the ecosystem, the way of working. Um, I think it's about everybody having that fair share. I think our biggest influence, if things go as we would like them to be, would be that that better banking for everyone, fair share of wallets, making sure that everybody can pull in the same direction, being the platform that people build the future of banking around. That's where Mambu can have the biggest impact on really getting that mindset and that ecosystem driven, uh, fair share of wallet, fair share of uh, ecosystem, fair share of customer experience across the board. I think when you start talking about the big techs, how that sort of fits, um, what could the future look like in that way? It it very much depends how people want it to work. And I, I it, it comes back to the regulators. Um, the regulators for me hold the secret source. Things like PSD2 and a move to open banking, different things we've seen from regulators around the world. The regulators are starting to differentiate at a local stroke regional level. And I think they're the ones that the banks need to work out, hey, if these guys are going this direction, this makes a lot of sense. Take an example. So take Mass in Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, take uh, the guys in the Middle East in ADGM. Very forward-thinking ways, very different ways of trying to drive business, define what good looks like. You know, I think the day that Mass put out the, I can't remember the exact number, the 100 um, problems in banking and how can fintech fix it, that was, that was a great day for banking. The more regulators that can come across that sort of way of thinking and driving it from a, hey, how do we make everything better for everybody uh, without adding risk, systemic and localized risk? And how do we make sure that everybody wins? If we get to that point, then we have an exceptionally good banking system in the future. And banking with a big B and a little b, you know, banking could be the backbone across a lot more than just how we see it today, not just financial. As I say, it could be the trust token that drives everything. You could start your car with your banking uh, trust token. There are many ways we could do this, many ways we operate. But I think really that the regulators need to step up in certain areas to understand how do they drive the right behaviors in the banks. Because regulators have always been seen as the people, the banks, 
not necessarily fear, but they respect and they have to follow their rules. If it stops being a rules-based, you can't do this, and more turns into a, hey, have you thought about doing this, and gets very proactive, that I think could be the biggest and most interesting game changer as we could define the future of banking. I share. All of us could use some of that uh, in banking and uh, in general too. Thank you so much, Elliot, for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Absolutely, Anche. Absolute pleasure. Thank you.